series, we're talking about the house of God and what it means. Uh, and we really want to get you into an expansive way of thinking uh, because kind of left our own devices, we tend to get smaller and smaller uh, as we think God's plans. And actually God just kind of really increases how we think as well. So we talked last week about the Old Testament um, presence of God, and it was a place-based presence, Bethel, uh, the house of God, where Jacob met God in a place, and then they started building structures around that, and we know the tabernacle, the tent, and then the temple, uh, and we kind of have this tenacity, or this, this ability in ourselves to go, God's presence is in a place, you know, 10 till 12 on a Sunday morning, that's when God speaks, right, that's not true. God is not limited by time. God is not limited by location. You know, and in 2 Chronicles 2 verse 6, it says, Who is able to build a temple for him since the heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain him? In Acts chapter 2, it shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And I want to tell you this, that the Holy Spirit in God's church blows the doors off any building. I typed in blow door off church and then I got slightly worried that there would be some type of intelligence services clocking my home ISP address. You know, because now there's no, there's no picture on Google that kind of has. I wanted to actually, because obviously because of terrorist issues and I, I understand that. But you know, I just wanted this nice image. Because Jesus said, I don't want you to be limited by a building. Or a specific location that the, the church, you, the church, the people of God are like dynamite. Gandhi said it. If you understood what was in this book and you lived it out, you know, you would blow the whole world up. Not literally, but metaphorically talking about the size of impact that we can have. And I want us to discover that this morning. I want us to dream what it would be like if we, the people of God, suddenly rose up as the people of God and lived as the people of God. So I want to move you from a place-based presence to a people-based presence where God loves to live with his people. You know, in the Old Testament, when the priest came out, the holy place, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord and the priest could not continue the service because of their cloud for the glorious presence of the Lord. I, I dream of a day where the people of God meet. The presence of God is so strong wherever we are. We can't help going, wow, wasn't God with us? You know, it can happen around a, a dinner table. It can happen in your front room. It can happen in the park. It can happen on the bus. Some of us have, if we only look at place-based presence, we limit to the move of God into these wars. And I want to tell you, God is not limited by that. I want us to dream bigger in that. You know, it says, do you not know that your bodies?" are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is you, who you have received. Our bodies are temples, vessels, kind of places that we can carry the presence of God inside of us. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He didn't say he doesn't live in temples. He said he doesn't live in man-made structures. He lives in God-made structures. You are a God-made structure. Did you know that? Turn to the person next to you and you say, you're a God-made structure. You'll find this easy. Just turn to someone and say, my body is a temple. 
theology. That is the word of God. Here's a fascinating thing. When you look at the Old Testament worship, the, the people, we, the people of God, were forbidden from creating an image of God to worship. There was no image that we could put in front of ourselves by which that is what good luck God looks like. And here's the interesting thing. The only thing that carries the image of God on this planet is what? You. We are made in the image of God. And God had set this thing going, you can't because I've put my image inside of you. Wow. Wow. That's when I worship, I feel alive. That's when God's words speak into me, I feel alive. That's why when I'm close to God, I discover purpose. When my relation with Him, I feel fulfilled. And I can live out everything that God has called me to be because I realize it first and foremost that it's found in God. And then there's an incredible scripture in the New Testament when Paul picks up and says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and God's spirit lives among you? This is not you as the individual, the singular. This is you as the plural. This is when the you becomes we. We are the house of God. (laughs) When we gather together, God loves it. We're we're infatuated because if we talk about what makes a house a home, you know, I don't, it's different things for different people. In the winter, it might be you can go home and you can put your warm fire on. You know, and you can put some candles on. And then when people look in, in your windows at the dark of night, they're looking and going, oh, haven't they got a lovely home? It might be that you go home after work and you've put something in the slow cooker and you open the doors and there's that smell of that food and you go, oh, this is home. It might be that there's young children running around, you know, leaving mess all over and it's noisy and busy, you know. It it might be that you sit and kind of watching the TV and we all have ideas about home and we position ourselves in the center of home. But when we talk about the house or the home of God, it says we are living stones. And I, I kind of want you to understand this. That actually, we always position ourselves in the center of the universe when God actually is the center of the universe and he's positioned you around him. So you're the bricks. You're the home of God, the people. For we know that if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human Hands. The Greek is, we have a building from God, is oikdom. I like that. It's, we are a building for God to live inside of his house, oikia, an inhabited house. We are the place where God wants to live. And there's this concept, you have a house, by the way, but unless you're really rich or live in an isolated location, your house is next to another house. And then it's next to another house. And then it's next to another house. And if you put a drone up and you do that, you would see a community. That's a picture of the house of God, that you individually are a temple of God, a place where you live. But then we're located next to each other. Suddenly, we're not just singular. We're not just living in isolation. We're living in the context of community. The Bible says not to forsake the fellowship of the saints which means we don't come 10 o'clock till 12 on a Sunday, but we don't forget, forsake each other who are followers of Jesus. There's a spark that comes when we get together. When two or three are gathered in my name, there I am right in the middle of us. 
You could do church on the bus. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? Paul just limps up with his guitar and just starts playing away. Yeah, I reckon we live in a society that would cope with that. I I generally do. Because we live in a random society. We live in so many random things, but if two friends are suddenly sat at the back of the bus singing away, kumbaya or whatever it is, you know, (laughs) you do these days, you youngsters. It's definitely not that, I know that. You you understand as the people of God, you've got the ability to create the presence of God wherever you go. You have the ability to give power to things just as created human beings without God, by the way. You can take a stone and give it power, you shouldn't. And so we can gather together, suddenly things start to happen. And you go, right guys, let us pray about this. You can kneel together in the middle of town and you can pray. You can call on God wherever you go. There's something powerful about the power of God. So who are you going to call when trouble hits? You should be calling the house of God. That doesn't mean my personal speed dial. doesn't mean the office number. It means the people of God that you should call them because these are the people on Sunday, we were invited to a cream tea. There was a beautiful cream tea, and a few of us from the church gathered together. And the couple that hosted that said, just say, we just invited you because we wanted to thank you because we've been through a really dark patch this year. And God has brought us through. But God has brought us through through his people. And if it weren't for you, we're not sure how we'd have got through this. That's the people of God. It made, you know, my scone taste better. You know? It really does. And I, I thought it was absolutely, I've had plenty of cream teas in my life, you can tell. <laughs> but it tasted better with the people of God. I, I dare to believe that food tastes better with grace. Because food eaten with, with, with thankful heart, doesn't matter how little you have on your plate, it tastes better. Because you understand God is the provider of all things. Things get better when we're in the presence of God. Oika in Greek means an inhabited house. Oikdom is the structure, the build, design. And since the temple is now a people and not a place, our understanding has to change. Our living out in that. And there are metaphors in the New Testament that describe the church. You know, it says, we are God's flock. We are God's field. We are Christ's bride. We are God's building. We are God's household. We are God's temple and his body and olive and tree and vine and army and kingdom. You know, it's incredible, isn't it? All of these metaphors, all of these pictures that when we imagine what it looks like, God wants us to see that is what it is. You know, we are God's flock. You know, if I turned up and rather say morning church, I said morning flock, and you went, meh. <laughs> that would be weird, wouldn't it? <laughs> if it's your first time in, you'd never come back possibly. Yeah, I don't know. But do you know what it means? We follow the good shepherd. It means we have one who cares for us. It means we have one who watches over us. It means we have one who feeds us and leads us. This church is all about following Jesus. It's not about following the great band that we have. All the talented people that we have volunteering. It's about Jesus. We are God's field. We are growing together. I love the fact that we're growing together. You know, I love the fact that Anna as a child in the church, you know, is getting engaged. I love that. Can't wait to see little Anna's running around and Alex. We're all trying to dream like kind of how big the child's going to come out when Anna gives birth. <laughs> to apologize for her. You might need a C-section, Anna, you know? <laughs> Who knows? It's... Although you did smart smile, didn't you? you, didn't, you, you you've not always been that tall. <laughs> I 
I'll be, I'll, I'm not allowed to say that. I've got the whole line going back out now, Aaron. <laughs> I can say that because I know it's part of your dream, isn't it? We are God's Christ bride. We are God's building, the place where God lives. We are God's household. We're the family of God. I, I love this concept. We are God's temple. Good morning, bride. Welcome, bricks. <laughs> trying to work out whether that's an insult, aren't you? <laughs> I prefer living stones. But that's church. That is what we're designed to be. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews if you can. Um, verse 1. All the concepts just born and breathed out of the word of God this morning. Dear brothers and sisters, family, who belong to God and are partners with those who are called to heaven, think carefully about this Jesus who we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. You understand Old Testament terminology? Jesus was always the high priest, by the way. He just used the Old Testament to tell us about it. For he was faithful to God who appointed him, just as Moses served faithfully when he was entrusted with God's entire oikos, or house, inhabited place. But Jesus deserves for more glory than Moses. Just as a person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself, for every house has a builder. But the one who built everything is God. Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. But Christ, as the Son, is in charge of God's entire house. And we are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. Now, you all know that I'm not in charge of the church, that Rachel is. <laughs> not true. It is God's house. You know, Jesus is the architect of his house, and we are the house. God is the builder. And so the person who built the house deserves greater honor. So when we come into this, the, the first and foremost thing in our mind is, who are we honoring? It is not me. It is not the band, it is not the lights, it is not the chairs or the carpet or the building. They honor, first and foremost, is God himself. And in honoring God, we realize that sometimes the way we speak and act isn't honoring to God. And so we bring our alignments into alignment to the builder of the house, the purpose of the house. It is a building. It is a structure. It has a construction Process. Ephesians chapter 2. Turn in your Bibles to verse 19. The church in Ephesus, or the, the, the population of Ephesus, is half a million. Okay, Paul has connections with the city of Ephesus. He is writing this from prison. We don't know where. Could be in Ephesus, could be in Rome. It's part of his third missionary journey. And in the book of Ephesians, there are suddenly the greatest kind of fruit is coming out of Paul's ministry as, as house groups, house churches are popping up everywhere within the Gentile community and the Jewish community. And there is growth. It is also the period that Paul goes through the most suffering. 
It's an incredibly positive book. Despite his personal circumstance, the church of God is growing alive and well. And the Gentiles are a little bit insecure because of the Jewish people thinking they all have the heritage rights. So Ephesians, and Paul talks into Ephesians saying, this is the growth of the community of God, the people of God, the house of God. And so Ephesians is a great book for us to help us understand what church is all about. Hence this scripture. Verse 19. You are no longer strangers, guys. You're not an alien. Sounds weird in our culture. I do get that, but it's a similar word. But you are fellow citizens, saints, and members of the house of God, built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets. Christ Jesus himself is the cornerstone to whom the whole structure is being joined together. Cinemologio. Joined together, working in harmony. As the band played together in harmony, we are being joined together in harmony for his house. We grow into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together. Sinoikidomio. House togetherness. Build with others into a dwelling place for God by his spirit. You are being built for God to come and for God to dwell inside of you. The foundation is Jesus Christ, the apostles, and the prophets. We always say Jesus is the whole foundation. That's not actually true. Jesus is the cornerstone, the one that carries the way, the main stone. The foundations are built by us because this house is built by people. It's not a denomination. It's built by the people of God. When you see a leadership, you see flesh. You see, God loves to build his house on people. And that's what he's building. We are joined together. We are under construction as God's house. Put your hand up if you're still a work in progress. I just want you to know that because often when you come to church, you think the person on your right hand side is far more perfect than you. Have you ever felt that? They are so closer to God, aren't they? They're just in it, you know, worship will happen. And everybody looks so holy. You're just next to a younger person, that's all. We compare all the time. But actually, other people's spirituality is not the focus. It's actually, where am I with God? I'm a work in progress. You're a work in progress. We're a work in progress. The house of God is yet to be finished yet, by the way. We're still working on the house of God. There are other bricks that's being added into it. There are other sheep to be introduced to it. You understand there's other family members to be brought into that. And they're your direct family members. They're your work colleagues. They're the people you meet on the bus. You know, that's who God says. This is how we're all builders. We're all adding on. And what we build people onto ourselves. We don't build them way away. We connect them into ourselves. There is a direct relationship between two bricks in a building that's made by concrete. And I think that concrete is the Holy Spirit. It joins us together. So we don't win people for Jesus by putting them in a service. We win people for Jesus by being in a relationship with them. Because around the meal table, they get to see your faith. In the workshop, they see your faith. On the building site, they see your faith. Because we're the house of God, we're both gathered and we are scattered. We're built by God for the people that he calls to empower. We've got to give energy. 
We've got to give prayer. We've got to give thought. We've got to give careful attention to the construction process. We've got to pray that God gives us a skill to build well. We're trying to build the house of God well. We need God's help, you know, because we don't want a mess because we can look through history. And we can see all sorts of movements, denominations, religions that's just gone away because it's stopped believing that the people of God are a holy temple. We're not just God's house, we're God's household. Or a kiosk. Family members belonging to the house. People who are related by kinship. Circumstances form a closely knit group with a focus or an association or a cause or belief. We belong and we're devoted to the household of God. Galatians 6 verse 9 to 10 says, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially those who are of the household of faith. The house of faith, the, house, the family of faith. I, I want you to be a family of faith. We are a family of faith. When you hear the word of God, if you write, went, yes. Do you know what that tells me as I'm preaching? It tells me that you're listening and it tells me you're receiving. It tells me that you've got faith in the word of God. The biggest compliment, by the way, that you can pay any preacher is not how willing you show them. It's how much you live that truth out. I used to, in my younger days, when people go, great preach, Aaron. And I, I, I generally, I'm looking to learn. I still have this aspiration to learn. And I'm like, great, what did you love about it? Followed by people go, uh, all of it. <laughs> Which means I panic them by asking a question. I shouldn't ask it, so I just stop asking the question now. I go, oh, thank you very much, isn't it? You know, that's great. We live the word of God out as a community of God. That's where its power lies. Church is a place of connection, encouragement, and goodness. It conveys family. Often when we hear of the house, we think building first. And I want to switch your thinking. Rather than thinking building house first, so you think household. Go back into Ephesians 2 again, verse 18. Because it layers, and every time you read it, there's something more that will pop out. Through, through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father, verse 18. So then you're no longer strangers or aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. That's the translation. Some translation will say house. It actually, that word is household, the family of God, the kinship of God, the relationship between people. You're connected. <laughs> Built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus became the cornerstone. In him, you will be to become a dwelling place. You see, church is not a family is a family, not of strangers. You might be first time in this morning, and we are so excited to see you because we want to get to know you. We want to discover your story. We want to discover your destiny. We want to discover your gift and who God has called you to be. We want to grow together. We want to celebrate your milestones. When you graduate, we want to be there. We want to see that. We want to pray for you when you go for a job interview. When you're in a hospital ward and you're giving birth to your first baby, we want to be surrounding you. We want to cook meals. We want to put them in your fridge. We want to sit in your home. We want to sit your children grow up. I don't know if you won't see this, but when the children come running down the front, I just love them to bits to see them wandering around the presence of God. I love that. You get a call and you're not well. We want to be in the hospital with you. We want to support you through 
the darkest day that you will ever go through. Let me tell you, no service can do that. No 10 till 12 on a Sunday morning can scratch that itch, that deep in you. We just want to be around. Because that's what God is. There are so many stories that are in this room that I know of. There are so many stories in this room that I am yet to discover. This is the people of God. When Julie gets up, right, and she comes in and she gives a testimony and she declares how God has set her free so powerfully. And she walked in in a state, wondering where she'd go, and God brought her in and connected into the house of God. I sit there and I'm going, yeah. Done it. The fact you're in as part of our family, we love you. We love you part of us. We love getting to know you. It's, it, it's, there's, there's bigger things going on in the house of God. That's why, you know, you know when you look at business, our, our business is not money, it's not charitable returns. Our business is people. The people of God. Our purpose is God, but our business is people. This is the house where God lives. So let's uh, seek to recover the meaning of the house as a household, shall we? You know, I'm part of the Richardson household. We, we live in Exeter. But it carries its father's name, but it contains the nature and the culture of both mum and dad. We, we blend together. We have all sorts of values that are unique to us. And if you came to our house, you'd just be part of our crazy. We, we often say that our house is a little bit crazy. It's not always the tidiest house in the world. It does okay, but, you know... It's organic, it's fun, it's warm, we laugh a lot, we mess around a lot. You know, when we built, well, we, we didn't build the house ourselves, but we saw it before plan. When we looked at what the house we want, we wanted a central living space we could all share. We didn't want a house that was so disconnected from each other that we would just have these private little enclaves. It was important we had this central space because that's how we want to grow our family. We don't want hidey holes. We want privacy at times, but we want to live together and grow together. And that is our family. That's part of the household. We've grown relationally, emotionally, intellectually, socially, and spiritually because we have values. That's what the house of God does. I want you to grow as the house of God in all of those facets because we're the house. We build people. We work together. We have a discipleship focus. Regular gatherings are important to this house, but they are not the be-all and end-all of everything. Church doesn't stop at 12 midday on a Sunday. It just begins. So it's, it, I can't arrange coffee for you and somebody else to meet, but you can. When you're meeting somebody up and suddenly you think, actually, something's not right with my sister or brother in Christ. Are you around this week for a coffee? Should we just go out and just talk about that? Did you want to text me in the time of the appointment and I will be praying for you? That's how church operates. That's how we should work, connected together. I want to finish this. We are God's temple. The house of God is the temple of God. It is a holy place where God's holiness can descend on us and we understand the revelation of God. God has placed us in this city to be a dwelling place for his spirit and the living God is present in our world through us. We've got to live lives of holiness by a continual confession of sin to one another and repentance of sin. We acknowledge that actually sin always destroys relationships. I don't know if you know that, but it always creeps out into your public domain you know, and starts to attack the relationships. Christ came 
to set us free from those things that hold us back. Right? When I'm in sin as a husband, I'm a terrible husband. Because sin always takes me down. It always takes me away. It always takes me into the selfish place. But when I meet a God who saved me, who sent his son to die for me, God demonstrated his love for me that Christ died, and I realize he has taken the penalty for my sin, I walk into a new arena of living free. You know, as a Christ follower, as part of the house of God, you are unique from everybody else in the world in that you have the ability to say no to sin. Everybody else going, yeah, let's do this. And you can sit here and go, I, I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. I have God living in me. I can live different. I have the Holy Spirit that's a far bigger voice cheering me on and going, woo! You want to be better out and You want to live free? And he drags me over here or says, come over here. And I'm like, I, I can still sit in the company of sinners without judgment, with grace. It doesn't even have to be through doing be part of that activity because I'm a part of a holy temple. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 16 says, What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of God, the living God. As God says, I will make my dwelling place among them and walk among them, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. You know what we need to do as a people of God? We need to take anything out that actually lifts itself above God and get rid of it. So we remove idols that threaten the sovereignty of God in our life. We see something else that's competing and dragging them down. We need to be in a loving relationship within the house to say, look, can I help you, guide you? We just want friendships who just kind of, kind of stroke our egos at times and say the right things. Spiritual friends, by the way, speak the truth in love. You understand that's a real tension. You know, the best person to challenge another person is the friend. But the world has a different friendship. Because we say the best friend is the person who will go along with me. The Bible doesn't teach that. Great friends say, Aaron, what are you doing, man? No. Stop doing it. I will always love you, but I'm going to grab you, and I'm going to reposition you morally in a better place. That's the house of God. Not judgy, just relational. It puts people in a better place of grace. (laughs) Turn to Colossians 4, verse 15, and I'll finish with this text because I love this. It's only a tiny scripture, by the way. I think I've got it up. I'm not sure. It may not. It says, Give greetings to Nympha and the church, which is bracket Ecclesia, and I'll explain in a minute. In other words, the church in the house. The church in the house. And I just love this concept because the, when Martin Luther translated the Bible and he was trying to get away from the, the word church as a building, he reworded and retranslated everything. And the Greek is ecclesia. And Martin Luther uses the word community. It, it, I just want to explain what it means. It means the called out ones who gather together in an assembly. The church is the people who called out of the world and gather together in an assembly, in a group. And that's what the word church is. Ecclesia all the way through. 114 times it's mentioned in the New Testament. So you are called out of sin. Not as a sinner, but as a saint as a member, as a citizen, into a community of righteous people. Not because of what you've done, because you put a suit on, but because of what Jesus has done for you. And we live together in that gathering to be free. That is the gathered church. We take that gathering and we can put it anywhere we choose. So next Sunday night, we're going to put it in the leisure center for next month. 
Right? I, I want you, I want to take some of you, and like that, um, you know that game at the fair when you put 20p in and you can try and get a toy with a three-pronged thing, you know, and you're trying to fit it into a hole. I want to do that, like, and pick some of you up because you carry the culture of God. You carry the house's values, right? I don't know if you know this, but you could be a real blessing to Exmouth. Because there are a lot of churches, and there's a lot of Christians in and around. There's a little bit of scrapping going often when I see this. But I, I see you, and I want to grab some of you. And I just can, can, you, can I just drop you in Exmouth for a little bit of a while? Can we have a gathering? Because what I want to see is when somebody comes into that area of Exmouth for the first time, I want them to meet you. Because you get us. You get it. You get the house of God. You know, and so I don't know if you've been in the ocean um, on the seafront. It's a great place. It's the middle deck, overlooks the sea. It's got lovely carpets and lovely chairs. We want to take the church and we want to put it in the number one leisure complex venue right in the middle of the ocean. And we want to praise God. And we want to lift his name up. And I want you to come to celebrate that. I have this belief that we could change Exmouth just by demonstrating some positive attributes of the house of God. Because something is. That's next week, 5.30. Some of you budding evangelists out there who understand this and going, actually, I just, and something inside me wants to blow the door from my limitations and just get onto the streets and give some leaflets and connect with people. What? Next Saturday morning, 10.30, speak to Levy. He's got this real heart for an evangelist, Levy has. So let's not send him out on his own. Let's go with him. Let's go with him as we go into the streets and just give out a leaflet and try and say, God, I just want to connect what you're doing, right? We're taking what we are and we're replicating it in that town. Because we can go anywhere. We could even go to Sidmouth. We could go to Tiverton. <laughs> What's funny about that? God, people come from Tiverton, isn't it? Slightly nervous, isn't it? You know, God, I just love this about the concept of culture. That's what Jesus did, by the way. Holy Spirit blew the doors of the church. So band, come and jump up. 